This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Liverpool are into the FA Cup final after they beat Manchester City 3-2 at Wembley in the semi-final thanks to a Sadio Mane brace and Ibrahim Konate's third goal in three games. You're listening to the post-game podcast with Patrick Smith on the Blood Red channel courtesy of the Liverpool Echo and what a cup tie that was. In what might possibly be one of the best first halves under Jurgen Klopp, the Reds open the scoring within 10 minutes as Ibu Kanate once again rose from a corner to nod home for his third goal of that nature in his third game. City keeper Zach Stefford made an absolute howler and the onrushing Sadio Mane slide tackled the ball from under the dwindling keeper into the net to double the lead. And then just before half-time, the Senegalese superstar notched the Reds' third with a sublime volley on the edge of the box to send the Anfield south into a frenzy. City reacted quickly after the break when Grealish struck and forced a grandstand finish in the last 10 minutes when Bernardo once again cut the deficit. But the Reds hung on to make their second cup final of the season and the quadruple dream is well and truly alive. On tonight's post-game pod, we've got all the reaction you need with Paul Gorst's verdict from Wembley, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and of course, the fan reaction of the Anfield South. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Liverpool will contest the 2022 FA Cup final after a 3-2 win against Manchester City here at Wembley today. Uh, and if the scoreline makes it sound like it was close, it really wasn't. Uh, Liverpool were dominant throughout much of the game and Manchester City decidedly second best throughout. Of course, uh, Pep Guardiola's side put a lot of energy into their midweek draw at Atletico Madrid that saw them through to the Champions League semi-finals. And as a result of that, um, City were without Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker and Edison was rested for it. And, Liverpool, in fairness, took full advantage of the changes that Guardiola made. Uh, Liverpool were able to make seven themselves. Jürgen Klopp uh, giving games to the likes of uh, Sadio Mane, Virgil van Dijk, Mohamed Salah, Thiago Alcantara, Fabinho, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson. But uh, it was uh, the decision to keep Ibrahim Akanate in instead of John Matip, which paid dividends. Uh, after around 10 minutes when the defender scored his third goal in three games, uh, once again nodding down from a corner and he has suddenly turned into a, an extra attacking weapon for the Reds. Um, as you say, Liverpool were dominant throughout, but Luis Diaz was outstanding, Thiago Alcantara was, was superb and Sadio Mane was the uh, the best player in the park and uh, to be fair, he was uh, his, his goal that made it 2-0 to Liverpool was uh, a bit of a bizarre one, in all honesty, goalkeeper Zach Stefan in the Manchester City goal, uh, he dawdled in possession, uh, a little bit like Edison did at the Etihad last week, but where the Brazilian goalkeeper was able to clear it from an on-rushing Diogo Jota, uh, Stefan had no such luck. Mane slid in, uh, tackled them uh, pretty much on his goal line and Liverpool had a, a bit of a strange way to, to go 2-0 up and from there never really looked like um, City were going to get back into the game and Mane made a 3-0 just before half time with a wonderful volley from an incredible chip pass from Thiago Alcantara. As I say, the uh, Spain international was superb all afternoon. Uh, Liverpool went 3-0 up in at the break and as I say, it never really looked like City were going to get back into it, but he did score one. Jack Grealish made a 3-1 shortly after the restart, but um, aside from a Gabriel Jesus chance, um, City didn't really create too much in Liverpool uh, with the dominant team throughout. Um, Bernardo Silva made it 3-2 just as the injury time board was flagging off for four minutes and that made it a little bit uncomfortable for the final few minutes. But Liverpool saw it out, they were the dominant team throughout and uh, will now contest the final against either Crystal Palace or Chelsea here next month. It's finished here at Wembley, Liverpool 3, Manchester City 2. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hi Jürgen, hey. congratulations. Thank quite, you. quite a game again. Um, I don't know if I heard you right on telly, but were you saying that first half is one of the best performances um, that, that you've seen in, in your time at Liverpool? 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. It was the feeling I had um, after the game or when I saw the first half because of the quality of the opponent, uh, which you saw in the second half, um, extremely uh, how good they really are. And um, so denying them in so many moments is, is, is so difficult. And um, creating your own opportunities, using them um, is obviously very difficult as well. And um, so I was, yeah, the first half was outstanding in, in pretty much all parts of the game, I would say. Um, yeah, but then second half is, um, again, they score like we did in the, in the previous game. They scored an early goal and yes, then it's clear. It opens up. Um, no football player on the planet is, feels safe against City with the 3-1 lead. It's always clear what they can do. Um, and there were not a lot, there were moments, of course, but most of the time you defended well, but they go one time through, and it's like, <laughs> oops. Um, that's really good. Yes, we needed Ali. Um, what a game he played. Um, but we had our own moments as well, um, and could have um, could have decided the game earlier, obviously, but didn't do it, and so it makes him more special. So 3-0 um, against City would feel kind of strange. 3-2 um, is a <laughs> fair result, and... Is, was still good enough to, to bring us to the final. And it feels like you can make changes with this squad and it almost doesn't make a difference. You know, obviously, Canate comes in or Dia, you know, I mean, you can interchange players and you really have the depth of squad to do that now. It makes always a difference, but it makes most of the time for, for the good. So let me say like this, in a difference in the right direction. Um, yeah, we needed it. We needed it. It's, uh, we cannot, and here we have now from here on, we... 10 games for sure, which is already an insane number, and we can qualify for the 11th game, which um, will be difficult as well, and for a completely different reason, but will be difficult. Um, and so it, it will be incredibly tough, but it's nice. It's, uh, when I speak about it, it's just it's our situation, and we, we, as long as we can make changes, we have to make changes to use the full quality of the squad and of the, of the individual as well. It's just incredibly difficult. You you play on Wednesday and then it's Saturday again and then Tuesday again and then it's, then it's I think it's Sunday after that if I'm going to right. But then we go again Wednesday, bam bam bam, all this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we have to try um, to find lineups, find formations to be in in uh, in each game as recovered as possible, but. We need rhythm as well, so that's the, the tricky part. But as long as the boys are all fit, we, yeah, it's all about decision-making before the game. And in the game, it's anyway about decision-making from the boys. So fair enough. Um, the boys have to be on top of the game, and we have outside, we have to be on top of the game as well. OK, Gary. Thank Or you can mention whatever you want. That doesn't make it more likely that, or that you get a, the answer you want from me. So, um, and I think a game like today shows it even more uh, how unlikely it is to, to, to do something like that. With the, so we went now through against City, which is incredibly difficult and intense. And um, uh, and in three days we, we play again against Man United with, the, with their three points today. Obviously, and the results from Tottenham and Arsenal, the fight for the Champions League spot is is the door is open for all of the, all of the three. Um, so they will be on their toes. 
then so it's and it's historically not a friendly game. A few days later we play Everton in the situation they are will not be a friendly game. Then we play Villarreal, will not be a friendly game. Then Newcastle um, and all these kind of things. So it's just uh, incredibly intense, and um, it's really unlikely that the team will win just all the games. And with the FA Cup final now, we have we we, we don't know which I think the Southampton game will now be moved if I'm 100 right. Um, that means we play Southampton in a midweek, <laughs> um, and so. It's really, it's really unlikely, but I couldn't care less, to be honest. I couldn't. It's just, let's go for it. Let's try to win the next game, and then we we see how we, um, how we can recover between now and then, and then and then, and all these kind of things. So, we will see. Of course, of course. I mean, we never thought that this is Man City or whatever. There were some people who didn't understand the situation, um, and um, that's not nice. And I felt it felt really, it felt really wrong in that moment. But um, we cannot change that, and it has nothing to do with the city. And of course, we accept the apology. Okay, Chris. He played an incredible game. Eh? He played an absolutely incredible game, and um, he was the first player to to start the press. Um, so it was intense for him as well. Uh, um, yeah, the first goal uh, he scored, I, I I love it. But I don't like too much about the goal that was, the goalie Zach will get uh, some criticism for it. Criticism for it. Um, it's not about that because Zach can do what he wants in that situation, like Ederson did. A week ago, these kind of things happen with Ali and all these things. If you want to play football, that can happen. But acceleration of Sadio, the desire to get there, poof, that was really, really great. So this goal was great, and the other one was obviously um, proper football um, until the final pass with the little chip, and then the the, the volley was a great goal. Um, Ibu scored now the third goal in his third start in a row, if I'm 100% right, uh, which is um, very helpful as well. Um, set pieces are very important, and especially when, for sure, teams are quite a little bit more focused on virtual. So it's really important that the, 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 the second um, target player can use that maybe. He did it now three times. It's really cool. Sorry. Wait a second. Who? Thiago. Oh, yeah. So, um, is coincidence? No. Of course, we work on it, but unfortunately, we work on set pieces as well when we don't score in the game. So that's a little bit uh, the tricky part. You need a good delivery, good movements, good timing. Very important. We had that now a few times, and they were all incredibly important. So long made continue. Uh, that it's um, Ibo in that situation. It's not coincidence, but it's of course we, you need you need the right runs in all different gaps, and it be that then in this case I think Robo hits his gap. Is um, a little bit coincidence, I would say, um, but planned as well. 
Thiago top performance, but how midfield? Uh, that was football, eh? So uh, Nabi, woof, um, Fab compare the two games at City, you know, and today. So how, that's you can see there how important it is, and you can give players a rest in in specific moments. It's not about they are not good or whatever you see. It. Oh, because my boys always want, but still don't always deliver. That must be because I know them that well. Must be a physical reason. So we try to figure that out. And now he could didn't play during the week, and now could play today, and um, that gave uh, midfield obviously. Um, Nice rhythm, really nice rhythm today. A um, lot of top-class individual performances. But Trent with a, um, against Czech Grealish there very often in one-by-one situations. That's most uncomfortable, to be honest. And he did really well. One important challenges first half where we could go away with and and these things. Again, I said before the game that I thought. After the game immediately at City, I thought, um, yes, we were slightly lucky, more lucky than City that we got a point there. But we were not 100% ourselves. So, but because of City's quality, of course, but there's still some uh, stuff to do by ourselves. And, and, and we stepped up today. So we, we, we played much better than we did at City. And that's why we deserved the, 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 the win as well. Okay, gentlemen over there. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's clear you have to. Um, you 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 can defend ball without the speed we have in the last line. You can defend balls in the last line. Obviously, if you if you if you judge the situation better. So when do they play? It's not that that all of a sudden the ball comes like this. You can see how the situation is. We try to put pressure, obviously, on the on the boy on the ball. But um, uh, if you don't do that. You cannot have the line, the line we had at City, for example. But it worked out for us really often. And then it works not out in one game. And then uh, now we have to talk in general about it or these kind of things. And then the reaction from the boys today was exceptional. Because we, we want to have a high last line in, in the right moments. But if the moment is wrong, we don't want to have it. Then you have to just pick up the runs of the opponent and then you win these, these kind of um, races if you want. Have a good chance to win them. Not all, you cannot, you cannot deny that all the time. But the, 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 the proper um, thing to do to avoid long balls from City and behind your line is just have a very deep last line. That will not, that will not happen. But that would kill a lot of our game, and that's why you should do it. So we have just to improve, had just to improve in, in, in these moments. And we obviously did. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Perhaps due to the alleged activities of their owners, the word humanity evidently means very little to the City fans who booed the minute silence today. Therefore, to all those bozos, I hope this victory rams them further and deeper into the putrid dump of misery in which they must wallow. As for Liverpool, the sunny side of Wembley was all ours today, wasn't it? 
Yes, I know some wild mistakes and silly decisions gave Man City a tiny shimmer of hope in that second half, but their dull brand of slow, predictable OCD ball, anti-football if you will, will not be on show at Wembley any more this season. No more Pyrrhic victories for those soulless ghouls, because Jürgen's rocket reds are heading for the sun, and we're in the final. Sadio Mane needs more songs. Ibu needs more songs. I've written a few myself. If you'd like, to, if you'd like a copy, send an email to coponpodcast at gmail dot com. Because my word, that third goal alone is one that you can store in the bank of happy memories for any rainy day. The movement, the touch, the technique, and that swiped finish were all mouth. Escapingly astounding. What a match. What a win. The quadruple is on. United on Tuesday. Holy smokes. We have to find some rest. We have to find our legs again. I have to find a way to try and sleep again with all this excitement going on. This is Owen from Cop on Podcast saying, The quadruple is on, my sisters and brothers. The quadruple is still on. Massive result for Liverpool at Wembley through 3-2 to the FA Cup final against Manchester City in the semi. And in the last game against Manchester City at the Etihad, I might have come across a bit negative on the podcast, but I'm always one to look at the bigger picture. So although Liverpool managed to get a result and obviously keep their title hopes alive, I was concerned about the way they went about the game and felt that if they continued to play against Manchester City in the manner they did that day and how they had in previous games over the recent past they would struggle to come out on the better side of the city when it really mattered in the because essentially they've got to face city in all the competitions that they're still in and i identified three key areas really where i felt that liverpool weren't good enough and the first one was uh, affecting city's build-up so being able to regain the ball in higher areas and hurt city when they were at their most expanded counter pressing them in order to get into advantageous areas with as few City players between their own penalty area and obviously Liverpool with the player on the ball who would then win the ball back. And it would always been a massive plus of Klopp's early reign that that was so much success was from that, especially against Manchester City where they, they were able to turn the ball over and get into advantageous areas quickly. And that had gone for me throughout the last few meetings with City. There'd been a lack of conviction and a lack of organisation for Liverpool to be able to pressure the ball in the highest third and it allowed City to be comfortable in possession and play through the deepest areas of the pitch into the midsection area of the pitch far too often. And City had always approached games in a 4-3-3 shape in the build-up and a, a few games ago they stopped that, they switched to the 4-2-3-1, got players in different deeper areas, essentially having a numerics game and getting more players lower on the ball and trusting their technical ability to overload Liverpool and then play out. Now, for me, Liverpool were never positionally had enough conviction to push players further forward, be confident in the organisation of the team that he could win with the ball back. And it was almost a little bit of fear about City could play through. And don't get me wrong, there's going to be occasions where City do play through. But Liverpool took the calculated risk today, pushed more players into the highest area of the pitch. It's difficult without sort of a 
a sort of an overhead view to see how they achieved that, but they certainly did. They coupled that with the conviction and intensity that you'd want from your side to be able to go and pressure the ball. And the amount of time City then gave the ball away, they actually resembled Liverpool at the Etihad in the first half, I felt, which is testament to just how well Liverpool were able to uh, adopt the game plan and change the way they went about it from the Etihad, where I felt they were too passive in that sense. So massive plus, massive plus. And I think, obviously, going forward against City, because the high possibility chance that they play them in the Champions League final if they get through, they've got to have that same conviction in the way they go about it. And you're not always going to win it, but you've got to have that conviction and that intensity and that organisation to be able to almost go man for man with City in them deeper areas and attempt to win the ball back. Because if you do, you will get the game massive success. And it has to be factored in. I know Laporte wasn't on the field of play. Rodney wasn't on the field of play, who were magnificent in City's build-up. But even so, Liverpool have got to take, take great confidence from what I've seen in terms of that today, which was a almost a, a pan back to, to Klopp's early years and the, the, the amount of times they were able to win it back. So that was the first one. Second one was when Liverpool were in possession trying to play out, could they do it more efficiently? Could they have more conviction again in how they were doing it? And could they have better technical ability and the small details in which to do so individually and collectively? And I felt that was massively improved today as well. So often, Liverpool used Alisson as a triangle to be able to play out. But I think all the individual aspects as well were so much better. So they were getting on the half-turn more often. They were receiving on the back foot. The weight of the pass was better. The accuracy of the pass was better. And there was more belief that they could do so with Thiago eh, often dropping in as well to be, be an extra player in that build-up. And it was so much more assured and gave so much more authority to how Liverpool looked to play rather than being submissive to Manchester City and, and almost having to feed off scraps when they were able to receive the ball when it was contained over by Manchester City and they were literally just chaining Liverpool back towards their own goal. So massive, massive improvements both technically and again as a collective to be able to get in better spaces on the field of play and some of the areas they were then able to get into higher as a result was so much better. The third thing was the distances in midfield. I mentioned that you know when you're asking Fabino and Thiago to cover massive ground, that's not when you're going to see the best of them. They struggle in that sense. However, if you get them into a compact shape with the distances narrow and compact, even not even between the units of the team, even between players in the in the same unit, so it could be the midfield players, tight, close knit then there is no two players more efficient in the Premier League. The numbers bear it out in affecting the opposition, stealing back possession, and affecting the first touch, second touch, whatever it may be, and recycling the ball for Liverpool, such as their intelligence. These are not players who are the greatest physical specimens, but sheer intelligence to be able to win it back. And again, when that pressure was good from Liverpool, from the forward players, it was then backed up by the distances within the midfield zone as well. So I felt in every aspect... I really was so impressed and so pleased to see it. And I think the biggest thing for me, regardless of the results, is the authority Liverpool have been able to show in their game, which will bode well for the games they take into Manchester City in the future, in, especially in what could be a, a really decisive game in the Champions League final. And I think they needed to do that. They needed to believe themselves, but also show Manchester City what they were capable of. Because I think there had been a bit of Manchester City thinking, we're dominating these games and it'll be a matter of time. And I would have agreed with that as well. Um, on an individual level, I think the, well, I'll start with Sadio Mane first because ultimately Mane won the game for Liverpool and I thought his position, performance was magnificent playing as the central the highest player. And at times it's been a bit of a mixed bag from Mane because he's been deciding games but at times he has been a bit untidy in his build-up and that is to be expected. He's playing in a position which 
while it's not being new to him, he's operated there before and is more than capable of doing so. When you've played with pressure from one side for many years and then are suddenly pressing, playing with pressure from multiple sides, it's bound to be a bit of sloppiness and a bit of, a bit of untidiness to your game. But as an individual today, everything you would want from that position, his ability to accept the ball in the tightest areas, resist pressure, protect the ball under severe pressure at times and be a threat everywhere in terms of running in behind, dropping off. It was the ultimate central performance from Manny, coupled with what was a magnificent finish for the second goal, the technique to be able to strike that across the body. Wonderful, wonderful skill. And obviously the second goal was so much about what Manny's about, been about since at Liverpool. Quicker, stronger than anybody else, more reactive than anyone else. And the word I would always use to describe him, especially throughout his Liverpool career, and especially at the the very start in the, in the early years, is sharp. Everything about him sharp, and he, he retains that to this day. He may not show it as frequently at times, but that and Lewis Dias has got it now. That that absolute thinking quicker than everyone else, almost electric off the mark. And you could see he sniffed the danger. He sniffed it and then was able to affect the ball with the goalkeeper. So it was an ultimate performance for me. What a display! And I'll just mention, because I can go on about mention numerous other players on the day who I felt were very, very good. But Thiago's performance will stay with me. I believe that it was one of the great midfield performances for Liverpool. And when you factor in the opposition he was up against as well, every touch was perfect. Awareness, vision, ability to win the ball back, be in the right spacings without possession. And then with the ball, some of the, some of the aspects that he did. I mean, the, the actual one for Manny... He anticipates the ball, which he does better than anyone else, steps in, wins it, and the tightest of areas skips it to Alexander-Arnold, gets the return, the perfect loft. It was just, a, in terms of the, the quality of his passing and the decisions under pressure, it was a masterclass. And I'm Xavi's biggest fan and, and always will be, but that was a Xavi-like performance from Thiago, and it'll always stay with me. And it might not get highlighted as much because he wasn't a fa- he wasn't you know the match winner, if you like. But that was an all-time Liverpool midfield performance in, such, in terms of touch and technique and organisation, intelligence. Uh, Luis Diaz was very good again. I mean, we can go on about him another day. Canati, very very good and has been very impressive for this particular season. But the final person I want to mention is Naby Keita, who came into the squad today. And I've always felt that Keita was a really good footballer, really good footballer. And at times, I think he's been unfairly judged in terms of people believing that, you know, he was a player who was going to influence the final third, etc., etc. That was never going to be him. But what he can do is he can progress the ball from deeper areas of the pitch and without the ball, his numbers in terms of being able to affect the opposition have always been a standout. But because he doesn't decide the final pass or sometimes because he's had injuries, etc., etc., I think that sometimes he's been, and quite rightly, there's a lot expected of him, I suppose, but some of the, yeah, some of the, the ratings or sort of analysis of performance has been, for me, a little harsh. I, I think you could probably count on one hand the, the really bad games that he's had for Liverpool. I think sometimes his actual he's that eager to pressure that his main problems especially under Klopp in one or two games has been vacating certain areas and not pressing in the right areas but his actual his actual numbers in terms of how he can affect the opposition I felt it was an all-round game today what a performance winning the ball back using the ball well progressing the ball for Liverpool intelligence to be able to tuck back in alongside his two central midfield colleagues and again, I could go on all night and mention about the really good performances. And regardless of if Manchester City were 
a few players down in that sense in, in what he lines up with. Liverpool can be massively impressed and happy with their display into another final. And even more important than that, I think the belief that this will give the squad going forward now for the running could be really vital. The belief that they are Manchester City's equal, if not Ankin, if not better than. And that could prove decisive when, obviously, a potential final comes around. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 3-2 win against Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, it, it wasn't, for me, one of those games where you panic too much. Uh, having gone 3-0 up at half-time with a superb display over the first 45 minutes, when City then scored in the very early part of the second half, my immediate response was to <laughs> to panic and to feel that it was going to be a horrible 40 or so minutes uh, remaining. But actually, then I looked at... I caught a glimpse of Trent Alexander-Arnold and he didn't seem particularly bothered. And uh, and I started to wonder why that was. And I think we were just so much more the better team. And I thought, well, if I was Trent, with all of his abilities, and I had 10 teammates beside me with all of their abilities, having played the way we just played and played the way City had played, and with you know a couple of important players out for them, I think maybe Liverpool felt that they were just the better team today, and so there wasn't any great reason to panic. Um, <laughs> that may have contributed to us then conceding another goal later on. But there was that lengthy period, wasn't there, between the first and the second goal, where I think we didn't really put ourselves in in too much of a troublesome position. We were, I think, retaining control for the larger part and were certainly deserving um, of the victory. A couple of other things that happened today that I think may have impact in the future. Um, and they're, they're both really to do with the starting lineups. I think Konate coming in for, for Matip was somewhat expected. Um, as we've said before, Matip playing three times in the space of a week isn't really what Jürgen wants. And we've sort of fallen into a pattern of um, of that happening now, of Konate being a regular, almost um, second choice centre-back. And, and that works very well. But having now scored three goals, um, if memory serves, three in three games in succession, if not in a very short space of time, he's now stamped um, his, his worth beyond just as a defender. We, we expect Virgil van Dijk to go up for corners and, and be an aerial threat, an attacking threat, and to score goals. And he does that, um, but not to a ludicrous degree. But we are starting to see something like that from Konate now. If he's going to score goals with this kind of regularity, we can't expect it to go on uh, in the sense that he's scoring game after game after game. But if he's, if he's that much of an aerial threat going forward, then his place in the starting lineup albeit as a defender, becomes even more secure because he's such a threat from corners. And we get a lot of corners and we and we we do well with corners. We've got great delivery from both sides. And he is um, a, a legitimate threat in our opponent's penalty box from those set pieces. So that really, um, I think, starts to set up a situation where Konate plays more and more rather than just the role that we've seen him play this season uh, to date. The other thing that 
uh, I noticed in the starting lineup uh, was something that I referenced um, two or three games ago. Uh, at the time, I described Jurgen's willingness to not select Jordan Henderson as being brave, and I'm still not sure that's the right word, but I think it is something that we can now take some comfort from, and I, and I hope nobody misunderstands what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm a big Jordan Henderson fan, but it's very difficult to drop your captain, just like it's very difficult to drop your goalkeeper. Not that we have that problem. We we need to be able to treat Jordan Henderson just as we treat every other midfielder. And he, he shouldn't get a place in the team just because he's our captain. And it's not just our captain, is he? He is an iconic captain. And if you use that word iconic, I mean, think of you know the photographs that we have of Jordan Henderson with trophies. In that regard, by that definition alone, he's a more iconic captain than Stephen Gerrard was. You know, so it's tremendously difficult to drop him. It's good news, I believe, for us that Jürgen is willing to do that. And, uh, and of course, dropping is the wrong word, but rotate him, not play him, not select him for whatever reason. If, if he does that, it's good news for Liverpool fans, I think. And this is something that's going to become more and more pertinent as time goes on. Um, you've, got, you've got players there. You've got Curtis and Thiago on the left-hand side. You've got... Harvey and Hendo on the right-hand side. You've got Naby Keita who can play on both sides. And I think Liverpool would benefit from seeing Naby Keita play slightly more than he has done. I think a, a run in the side will do him an awful lot of good. Um, I'm, I'm not as big a Curtis Jones fan as some people are, but I think he's certainly got a, a good future at Liverpool. I think Harvey Elliott would have had a bigger season than he has if it hadn't been for the injury he picked up. And I think next season will be the season that Jürgen probably had planned for him this season. And and given Naby Keita's uh, run in the side that I, that I foresee coming and Harvey Elliott's continued introduction to the first team, we need to be able to, to let Hendo um, take a place on the bench more and more. Um, there's another aspect to this, though. If, if you look at our side, we have, I mean, I'm very comfortable in saying that we have the best back five in the world. And by five, I'm including Alison Becker there. Jürgen said we've got the best left back in the world. We've got the best right back in the world. I strongly believe we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. We've got the best central defender in the world and three capable players of playing alongside Virgil van Dijk. So, I mean, I'm comfortable in thinking we've got the best back five in the world. You could make a a good conversation by saying that we have among the best players in the world up front as well. We've got five very strong players. You could say, you could make an argument that Mo Salah is the, is the best player in his position in the world. You know, some might disagree. The other four are very, very strong. But you can't really say that about our midfield. And when I see articles linking us with obviously umpteen players every week it seems to be always strikers and occasionally defenders we hardly ever see Liverpool linked with midfielders that's what we need we have good solid midfielders I've listed some of them already um, some of them are getting older 
Some of them are perhaps a little bit too young. Um, but I would say any of them really are could be in the conversation for best in the world. You might maybe say that about Fabinho for that position, the number six position that he plays, sitting in front of the defence, behind the two number eights, possibly. But that would be a, a bit of a tenuous argument, I would think. If we're going to spend money in the summer, I think it needs to be on best in the world type midfielder, or let's say a couple of midfielders who are better than what we've got. That's not going to be easy to do, of course, but, you know, buying world-class players is never easy, but Liverpool tend to do a good job of it. So, given that I I think and hope that will happen in the summer, Jordan Henderson's place in midfield becomes more and more tenuous. He's going to be a part of the Liverpool squad for a little while to come, I believe, a significant part, uh, not least of all because he is... Uh, a very good um, backup for Fabinho. In fact, I think Henderson's best position is the number six. Um, he enjoys the number eight position on the right-hand side more, but increasingly I'd rather see Naby Keita play that role and certainly Harvey Elliott in years to come. And and whoever we might buy um, along the lines of how I've recently just described our, our potential purchases for this summer. But this means that Jordan Henderson is, I think, going to have to accept, and I think he probably realises this, um, a role that is less and less uh, pivotal, uh, less and less uh, central. And I don't mean that from a positional point of view. I mean in terms of him being first on the team sheet. And Jürgen's willingness to activate that now, I think, is good news for Liverpool fans because it won't hamstring us. And I think that's going to be an important thing going forward. What a great season we're having. And I want to see Jordan Henderson front row centre as we uh, march on towards even greater things during this campaign. At Gulasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Hello, Alex Watt, sometimes from the Did It Cross the Line podcast. And another week, another win, another final. Uh, it's turned into a lot of fun this season, isn't it? Um I have to say it was a much more enjoyable experience to watch than the league game last weekend for the majority of the game anyway, but especially when we were 2-0, 3-0 up, it was a lot of fun and obviously a very different Liverpool performance than the one we saw last weekend. We were by far the better team in the first half, pressing them, winning the ball back quickly, frustrating them, not letting them play. And our supporters inside Wembley were loving it and making me even more jealous that I couldn't be there. Um, Man City looked like a completely different team as well to what we saw last weekend in the first half. You know, their press wasn't working. They couldn't cope with the Liverpool pressure. It really was like the complete reverse of what we saw in the first half last weekend. And obviously it was lovely to see from a Reds perspective. Now City were better in the second half of course they were and it was maybe a little less comfortable viewing in the second half but not dramatically so I didn't think up until the last five minutes obviously I felt like we had a pretty good handle on it for the majority of the second half but then they really made us sweat at the end when they made it 3-2 I suppose it wouldn't be a true Liverpool performance without some drama and tension but 
we got it over the line in the end. Um, I have to say, like, the, the depressing part, shameful behaviour from a portion of the Man City fans before kickoff, drawing what was supposed to be the minute silence for Hillsborough. Um, it's a disgrace. I'm sick of it. We're all sick of it. It needs to be called out more. Um, it was called out by a lot of the right people, which was at least good to see. But just stay quiet for a minute and grow up. Um, and obviously, it just made it feel even more important that we did win today. And that particular set of fans got some very swift, instant karma in the first half, didn't they? So... Canate got us off the mark pretty quickly. I mean, the guy just keeps scoring the same goal <laughs> over and over again. That's three games in a row he's done it. He cannot be stopped. It's amazing. He's an absolute colossus on headers. And then Sadio Mane scoring one of my favourite goals I think I've ever seen to make it 2-0. Um, it turns out that all the Manchester City keepers actually can't calmly play it along their own goal line when a Liverpool attacker comes flying in. It was very funny um, for it to happen so soon after, obviously, that Jota one that Edison managed to avoid um, the other day as well. Um, very funny. I'd feel bad for Stefan, but no sympathy for anyone on the City side today. Um, Luis Diaz obviously causing City issues time and time again. He's been a glorious sign and he showed it. Again today, but yeah, Mane just tremendous. The the third goal that volley was absolutely obscene, and yeah, just capped off that amazing first half. The only disappointment really is that Mane didn't end up getting his hat trick. Um, although I am also desperate for Mo to get a goal at the moment, so that was another disappointment. But again, we we see the strength and depth we actually have now that Klopp can just casually bring on. Jotam Firmino after the 80 minute mark for maybe the two best players on the day. Um, unfortunately, like I said, City did come out a lot better in the second half. Got one back through Grealish, which after all the pre-match talk about him having less goals and assists this season was probably inevitable. Um, big save from Allison at 3-1, which showed the importance of why you need your big goalkeepers to play in these semi-finals because... That was one of the stories of, of this game now. You know, they do make the difference in the big games, as we know. And Alisson has done that on a number of occasions. And then, unfortunately, Bernardo Silva ended up getting that late goal for them. Possibly the City player I like least of all. Um, and it did make for that anxious final five minutes, but we got it done. I will say as well, Pep is a strange manager at times, isn't he? His decision not to make any subs in that second half apart from I think Mares was the only one fine by me but it must be infuriating to watch as a Man City supporter but again I won't be feeling particularly bad for them um, and I hope they enjoyed the long drive home as losers so um, from a Liverpool point of view obviously another final coming up now which isn't Klopp supposed to hate the domestic trophies um quadruple is still on what a season this has ended up being um I don't think Liverpool have lost a cup game all season which is just an unbelievable stat and yeah just a small matter of Manchester United in the league next um the games just keep on coming but let's enjoy this one now I'm gonna have another beer and celebrate cheers up the Reds 
You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.